Welcome back to season two of Revisiting Ruach. My name is Caroline. And my name is Jacob. And we are so excited that you are here. And today we have a very special guest coming all the way from Ohio is Josh Warshawski. Hi, Josh. Hello. So great to be with all of you. Season, season opener. It is so great to have you, Josh. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Josh Warshawski. I live uh, in Columbus, Ohio, originally from Chicago, and uh, I'm a, a rabbi and a musician, composer, song leader. I, uh, I travel around to Jewish communities all around the country, helping to build intentional prayer communities, help to uplift people with the music of prayer, open up the liturgy to, to new meanings, new emotions, and, uh, and at the moment, I'm doing that all from my basement in Ohio. <laughs> that is so cool. So, Josh, what is it like to be a sort a traveling, of traveling rabbi. rabbi. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I really like being a traveling rabbi. I, I never imagined this was something that I would end up doing. Um, it all sort of fell into place over the course of, you know, you, you have different opportunities that, that, that come to you and as you just continue to say yes to them uh, and then new opportunities arise if you allow yourself to be open to possibility. So I, you know, the, the journey sort of started when I was in college. I didn't, I, I grew up in, um, in USY, which was a, another one of the Jewish youth groups. And there wasn't a, a huge culture of, of song leading. There was a great culture of music and singing, uh, but not of, of like a song leader culture. So that was never something that I had, had seen really before. And when I was in college, I was looking for a job while I was in school and a bunch of different uh, school uh, synagogues in the area. I was in school in New York at the Jewish Theological Seminary in Columbia, and a bunch of different places reached out and said, "Hey, we're looking for Hebrew school teachers or a music school teacher for a Hebrew school." I said, "Oh, I, well, I play guitar, and I, you know, I sang a lot when I was at camp at Ramon, Wisconsin. And I could probably do that." And I started uh, teaching in New Jersey every Sunday, and it was really fun. And I would lead the the students in music and in tefillah. And I didn't know so many melodies for I, I knew a lot of Israeli melodies and a lot of like old traditional Hebrew songs, and then I knew like. Craig Taubman and Rick Recht and Debbie Friedman. And that was all I really knew existed of like Jewish music. And so I started writing my own Jewish music because I didn't know that there was, there was so much out there in the world. And, uh, and so, you know, I wrote a, a bunch of new melodies for Tefillah and I started sharing them with the students. And I, I realized that I really loved getting to, to think about what the words were trying to say and how we can use the melodies that we're creating to better express those emotions and sort of bring out the emotion of the words uh, in that way. And so I, you know, I started going to conferences. And um, when, I w when I was in rabbinical school in Los Angeles, I was working at a, at a few different synagogues. I originally went out to Los Angeles because a synagogue reached out when I was in college and asked if I would be their artist in residence full-time after school. And I didn't know that that was a job. <laughs> and uh, I said, what does that mean to be your artist in residence? They said, we don't really know. We'll, we'll figure it out together. So I went out there and uh, started working at the congregation and they had a day school also. It was really an amazing time. And when I started rabbinical school, a synagogue reached out to me and said, hey, do you do artist in residence weekends? And I said, yes. Um, and the, the weekend was really incredible at a, at a synagogue in New Jersey. And at the end of the weekend, they said, that was so awesome. And I said, you know, that was my first time doing that. And they said, well, we didn't really know that. We probably wouldn't have hired you if, if we had known. And uh, 
um, but after that, I just sort of continued to, to travel to other communities and realized that this was a potential for, for something that I could continue to do full time and, and getting to visit different places and sort of bring that musical culture and get, bring the understanding of what I feel about um, Jewish prayer and liturgy and community to places all around the country. That is so cool. The ability to do what you love and what you're passionate about um, while traveling to different congregations, which is what leads me into my next question, which is how did you decide between being a traveling rabbi and a congregational rabbi? Yeah, I kind of, it all sort of went hand in hand, really. I mean, going around to the different communities was fascinating because I could see what communities were looking for in all these different places. Jewish communities from like Greensboro, North Carolina and Omaha, Nebraska, San Antonio, Texas to like Los Angeles and Philadelphia and Chicago. And these Jewish communities are so different. But, you know, as, as you both know, like people are just hungry for music and for being ever energy and being connected and and uh, and I found that everywhere and I found that people were really looking for it everywhere and they didn't know where to look because people in general um, you know outside of us who are connected to these different Jewish musicians all over the place people don't know where to look outside of their own congregation they go to their community and they don't know that there's so much that's out there all over the place so it was really exciting to get to to bring it to all these different communities and stay connected and I was there were some communities where I was going multiple times like four or five times over the course of the year and actually getting to build a community and build relationships with them in a way that I felt like, you know, I was worried that I wouldn't get to do that if I wasn't at one pulpit. Um, But once I realized that that was something that I could do and really sort of connect over multiple years and build relationships, and that that was possible even in in this sort of traveling uh, career, uh, I decided that that was something that I I really wanted to do. Awesome. So our next question is... How does song leading play into being a rabbi? How do you use song leading in your everyday life? I think song leading is the key to everything. I I, I feel like you probably agree <laughs> to that, with that. But you know, I went to when I was first starting out in this. I went to to song leader boot camp, um, and Rick Reck is a dear friend of mine and a mentor. And the way that that I that I decided that Rick talks about song leading is basically it's it's. Um, trying to figure out what it is that you care about. Let's say that that thing is song leading or Jewish music or prayer and standing up in front of a community and sharing the thing that you love and helping them understand why you love it so that they will love it also. That's what song leading is all about, right? And and that whole, his whole methodology is, you know, build a, build a relationship with the community, help, to, help them to explain what the song is that you're about to share um, and then sing the song and explain and, and share the energy, but help people understand why it is that you love it so that they can connect to it in similar ways or in their own ways also. And that's what being a rabbi is all about also. It's about finding these beautiful and powerful moments in Judaism and helping people to connect their daily lives to them, to live their lives by the Jewish calendar, to live their lives, you know, with with Jewish ritual that connect us, that celebrate us, that uplift us, that hold us in times when we're feeling uh, sad or when we're feeling lost. Judaism has something for all of those things. And and that's something that I deeply care about. And I've I've loved studying the texts of our tradition and, uh, you know, the theologians of our tradition and all the the different things that we've been through in our history. And all of that can can help us find a way to live our lives today in the present um, if we can find a way to make it meaningful for people. And so I think that, that being a rabbi is just, you know, song leading all the time, just not only with song. It's with um, helping people understand what it is that's so powerful and beautiful about our religion. Wow. No, that really is powerful that you can bring a group of people together like that, combining song leading and being a rabbi, which uh, leads me into my next question um as we talked about you writing your music has your music style changed after you went to rabbinical school both writing music and 
the music that you choose to play for people while you're at congregations? It's a, that's a great question. I feel like, I feel like everyone's music styles is, you know, it's always changing and, and, and molding based on, you know, what you're encountering and the kinds of music that you're listening to. You know, I, if, if I listen to songs that I, you know, so I released my first CD when I was a senior in college. Um, I would, I did it in a studio in Brooklyn. If you know Naomi Les, who's another amazing Jewish musician, uh, her husband, Glenn produced my first album. I would just go to their, their house. They have a studio in, in Brooklyn and I would go there on, you know, on days that I didn't have class and record. And, uh, and, I love the songs that are on that album and the style is just like totally different than my, even my, my next album, the Marabou album, which I did with an amazing Jewish producer in LA, Sam Glazer. And, uh, that one ended up being like sort of like a Jewish rock album. It's got like a lot, it's really upbeat. There's a lot of like cool guitar solos and things like that. And, uh, and then which was the most recent album was a whole live experience where we brought all these musicians into one space and we sang the whole album together live. So you could just feel the, the idea was to feel the energy that was in that room. When you are song leading, when you're singing, when you're gathering with a group of people and you get to like sing out, there's like a tangible energy that you feel. It's not just, it's not just the music. You could like feel what's happening in the space. And I wanted to be able to capture that. So the music also, in addition to the, like that, the style of the recordings, the music sort of changed uh, to be a lot more similar to stuff that we could be able to sing together. Things that could be the mantras that we could focus on music that we could sort of that each that has a line that can uplift that can be sort of sung over and over again these songs that that have like de- defined endings but that you could ex- extend and expand to be sung as much and as or as little as you want um and so that's sort of the direction that i ended up going on i uh i wrote the song which is one of my favorite songs on my last album that um like right after i finished the Marabu album. We had like just finished recording. We were about to put it out. And then I wrote this song and I was like, oh, this is the best song I've ever written. And I just finished recording an album and now it's too late to put it on. <laughs> and I was really sad about that. But that that song led me in this like new direction of music, which has been really exciting and has been really cool to get to go to different places and, and, and be able to sing it with lots of different people. So def- yeah, it definitely changed and expanded over the course of the, all those many years. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I love everything that you just said right there. Um, so we ask a similar question to a lot of our guests. And um, that question is sort of, what are your inspirations in the Jewish music world? What inspired you to start being a Jewish musician? I think I have a lot of different inspirations in, in so many different places. I, I feel like, you know, so I, I grew up in the in the conservative movement. And, uh, and so there were like, there were a bunch of musicians that came to camp when I was a kid who I thought were really incredible. And then I started getting involved in the in the sort of the reform song leading world and going to song leader boot camp at Havana Shira and the conventions and connecting with some of those musicians. And so, you know, so Rick was a really important guide on, on my journey. Craig Taubman, um, I first met with him when I came out to Los Angeles and then and, and talked to him about music. And then six years later, we recorded in his amazing Pico Union project space in downtown Los Angeles. Um, you know, the, one of the first Jewish musicians that I ever met when I was first working at that synagogue in New Jersey was Perry Smilo. She happened to be the artist in residence at that synagogue. And I didn't I didn't know that that was something that people did. People were writing their own music and traveling to communities. So she was sort of my first example of that. And uh, and that was really, really cool to see. And then there are these incredible Israeli Israeli musicians also that I think are writing really exciting Jewish religious music, not just like like this the Hebrew secular pop music, but like music that is like littered with text from the from the 
Torah or from like different places in our in our liturgy, and they just sort of like drop them in because they, they just like they drop all these little verses in, and it, you only realize them if you're like looking for them or if you know them. Uh, musicians like Yishai Ribo and Hanan Benari, just like incredible, incredible music that that's coming out of you know very far from what's happening in the American Jewish scene, but also the the music that's coming out of here. Joy Weisenberg, who's a dear friend and and uh, is was writing a lot of music that I that was along that same path that I was feeling like I was going on myself. And so that sort of led me to continue to think about what it's like to, to gather together with people and get to record that, that experience too, since that was something that he'd been doing for a bunch of years already. Who are, who are some, who are some of your musical, musical influences, Jewish musical influences? Um, I would probably say, well, there are two that really come to mind and those are um, Dan Nichols mm-hmm. and Charlie Kramer. Um, just because I love the way um, that Charlie goes about things and the way he um, he his processes are the way his processes are what his processes are um, and um, just how he goes about things and yeah Dan just because all the energy he has and it's just like he can light up a room and it's amazing for sure. Yeah, and my my inspirations are pretty similar to Caroline's. Mine would be Dan and Spike. I really like Dan's style of music. I love his catchy melodies and the way that there are so many congregations that just know his music and are able to sing along together as a community. And then I also really like Spike's way of taking Hebrew text and prayers and turning it into music that sounds secular and sounds like pop songs that you'd hear on the radio and being able to listen to it at you know, first glance and not recognizing the fact that it's a Jewish prayer and being able to enjoy the messages that um, are given by these Hebrew texts through a secular lens of music. Totally. And there's been this explosion, I think, over the last like 10 years of all these new names in Jewish music that I, you know, like 10 years ago when I was first like starting out in this and going to these conventions, there were like five or six people that everybody knew and that it was their music that was out there. And now there's, you know, there's just, it's been so, so much more democratized. There's just so much more Jewish music that's out there. And it's been really cool that, that people are being, being able to find their own niches in Jewish music and, and do different things with it. like Charlie's music and Blake's music is so different from what's, what some other people in the Jewish world are doing. And it's, it, you know, it stands out in that way, which is pretty cool. That's so funny that you say that because we talked about that on a previous yeah. episode, um, about how it's become so normalized to do, take on Jewish music uh, as a profession, as a um, both as a touring Jewish musician and a congregational artist in residence, and being able to do Jewish music full time compared right. to before. And, and there's space for it too. I think that you know maybe a while ago, uh, ten years ago, people were afraid that there just there wasn't room for there would be more people to be doing this. There just weren't wasn't enough space for the music. There weren't enough congregations. And but it's just become so clear that the, everyone is just there, people are really hungry for this. Again, you know, people they're looking for music. They're looking for ways to connect. And this is such a really great entry point. And the more music that's out there, the diff- more different genres that we can put into Jewish music. It, you know, the, the better it is for for all of us. That's yeah. That's a great point. And. That leads me into my the last question that I have, which I realize we didn't talk about this at the beginning, but uh, the opening song is Hameira, and we didn't talk about it, but how do you oh, yeah. select Jewish text when you're writing music, and how does that go into creating songs like Hameira? Yeah, so that song Hameira that we listened to before, um, is uh, it was written by myself and, and one of my... Uh, 
co-writers and my musical chavruta, my musical partner named Colleen Deeker, she's an incredible vocalist and violinist. And uh, we wrote that piece a bunch of years ago. And I'd been thinking about, you know, a lot of the times when I, I, I approach the Sidor and I'm, I travel to different communities and help people engage with prayer. And there are so many words in the Sidor. And a lot of the time we feel like we know the benchmarks. We know like the Baruch and the Shema, Oseh Shalom. We know these, these prayers. And then in between them, there's a, tons and tons of pages where people sort of just murmur their way through or, or skip them all entirely. And there are amazing insights that are just sitting buried in the page if you, if you just take a moment to, to look at them. So, you know, the more that I kept going back to those pages, suddenly words that I had sort of just read over quickly or had skimmed over over and over again would just pop off the page. And these words are words that come right after the Baruch the, like the first words after the next blessing, um, God who lights up, who illuminates the world and all of its inhabitants with mercy. And in goodness, every single day renews the act of creation. And uh, we thought about these words and we said, oh, these are some amazing words. The idea that the, the whole world is new every single day, that, that we can be illuminated every single day and, and find new things to discover. And that each one of us are, are new. You can't approach today the same way that you lived yesterday because you have all of yesterday's experiences in your internal memory bank. Right? You have to make different choices. Or even if you're making the same choices, they're more informed than they were yesterday. So we're new every single day. And, and then we have the opportunity to create new things and to illuminate the world, to be these illuminators, which I think is just an awesome, awesome concept that we're the ones that can be lighting up people, lighting up the world, doing things that create more light, more justice, more goodness. And uh, and so we're thinking about those words. And, and Hebrew is a, a gendered language. So most of the time when we talk about God, we use masculine pronouns and suffixes. And we thought about, you know, and thinking about a God who gives birth, who rebirths the world every single day. We wanted to think about what, what does it feel like? What does it sound like to talk about God, to pray to God, to God using feminine pronouns and suffixes? And so instead of saying, he who lights up the world, we said, um, she who lights up the world. And, and even just that one change of the word totally changes the meaning of the prayer and how we can think about it and how we can interact with it. And that's always what I'm trying to do. It's look at, the, look at these words that already exist, these words that were written by human beings, right? People wrote the prayers. They took verses from the Torah and other places like that, but they, people wrote these based on what they were feeling at various different times. And so we should be looking at that and say, these are the words of human beings. And so we should use these words, but also use them to be catalysts to open up our own words and open up the things that we're thinking about also. So I generally look for pieces of the liturgy that are affecting what I'm feeling at the moment or, or things that I would like to help to express using music because that's the way that people remember things, right? They're actually, um, there are two stories of crossing the sea in our in the Torah. One is, you know, the, the Red Sea that we know is very popular and, and very famous. And then there's a story where the people cross the Jordan River with Joshua. And it also splits with these like rocks in the middle and there's a miraculous occurrence, but nobody knows about it because there's no songs about it, right? We have Oziva Zimratya about crossing the Red Sea and we have the whole Prince of Egypt musical and people know about it because we can sing about it. And we, we, we sing a prayer from it every single day as part of our service, the Song of the Sea. But um, the other the other crossing the sea nobody knows about because there's no songs. So the more we can write and use these, utilize these other texts that are just sitting there waiting to be to be opened up and expressed, the more that we can help to engage even more people with uh, with the, the meaning and inspiration that exists in our tradition. That is so cool, and I'll be honest, I didn't even realize that with the original text um, that Hamera was changed from what it originally was and I think that that's so cool that you can change words and it gives it a whole new 
meaning and a whole new understanding of a, a prayer or a Jewish piece of text. And I think that that is what is so special about Jewish music is you can convey a message um, in a variety of ways through just the words that you choose and the translations that you choose um, of Jewish prayers. Totally. And right. And if you look, so if you look in the Mishkan Tefillah, you'll see that the words are a little bit different than what we would sing if we sing it out loud together. And I think that that, that just, uh, it's, it's another opportunity for a, a, fl- a switch to be flipped in your head, right? If you're singing it and then one day, even if you didn't know that one day you go and you look for the words and you see them and you're like, oh my God, the words, they don't look like the ones that I'm singing. And it gives you just another opportunity to say, oh, this is something that I can be engaging with intentionally. Um, I think that's what it's all about. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for being the season two opener for Revisiting Ruach. Um, Thanks so much for having me. Um, This is such an awesome, it's so, it's such an awesome podcast. I've listened to almost all the episodes. Everyone listening, you should go back and listen to the previous ones. It's really, really great. Lots of awesome conversations are being had and you you two are awesome. We did not tell him to say that. Let the record stand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, as always, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Revisiting Ruach. Oh, Josh, for your information, I did make a TikTok. There is a TikTok. You did? Um, I I don't have a TikTok, but I have to figure out how how I could. (laughs) I just kept hearing you talk about making the TikTok. And so, you know, I just wanted to check in. (laughs) Well, for all of our listeners, I have made a TikTok. And it's going to be my 2021 New Year's resolution to make some more TikToks for you guys. But yeah, thank you guys for listening. And also make sure you check out Josh's music. Um, wherever you listen to music, just look up Josh Roshowski. Um Yeah, thanks again, Josh, for joining us. Um, we'll see you next. See you next episode. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.